we want the project to be their project, not ours. And so we see ourselves as facilitators for the design and help our clients meet their objectives and goals. So we don't enter in on the theology or the uh, their faith or beliefs. We try to understand it so we can do the job that's needed. Hello and welcome to Arconnect Sessions One to One. I'm Amelia, and this week I'm speaking with the architect behind Kentucky's Ark Encounter, a true-to-scripture, Amish-built, hardwood Noah's Ark, designed as part of an apologist Christian ministry's biblical theme park. Leroy Troyer, the owner and chair of Indiana-based Troyer Group, was chosen for the project based on previous work on a replica of Jesus' hometown in Nazareth, Israel. Troyer Group has over 40 years of experience in all kinds of architectural projects, secular and religious. The client, Answers in Genesis, also runs a creationist museum in Kentucky. I wanted to speak with Leroy about the remarkable challenge of not only translating construction documents literally from the Bible, but also the ethical complications that come from working on a project that perpetuates Bible stories as literal fact. Leroy Troyer, thank you so much for joining us on One to One. I'm very excited to speak with you about the Ark Encounter project. Um, I'd like to start simply by having you kind of walk me through the construction details for the project. I'll just rifle off a few of the things that have been already commonly reported to kind of set the ground. But the Ark Encounter was built from specs, direct from the Bible, as we've reported. I believe initially using cubits as a unit of measurement and then translating those. And the opening date was planned for July 7th, so as to correspond with the Genesis 7-7. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Just a few more details. It's 510 feet long, 85 feet wide, and 51 feet high, in case your cubit measurement translation is not running right now and was built in part with help from Amish construction workers who have expertise in hardwood construction techniques. So go ahead and with that kind of basic detailing to start us off, what other details and specifics in the construction process can you walk us through? The Ark, it's uh, one of the unique stories in the Bible accounts of uh, key events in in the Bible. And we as a firm, as a Torah group, we work very as a focus, we are very focused on meeting the needs, listening to the client, and meeting their goals and their objectives. Our job is, is professionally is to provide the design and professional services, and the including the construction, to help fulfill their goals and visions. It's not to insert ourselves into their mission or their faith or belief. In this case, it's uh, since it is uh, based on the religious, uh, there's many points of view, which we respect, and about the Bible and the um, Bible account and the Bible stories. And, and that was not our focus. Our focus was to build the ark based on the information that was available. And there's very little in, in Genesis about the construction of the ark. We know it was built of wood, and the dimensions were given in cubits, and it's a, the old Hebrew or the Egyptian cubit of uh, cubit being 20.4 inches that was used versus the 18 inches, which is in the English Bible. And so that was the, the dimensions. We were also had a consultant from Australia who's an expert on historical wooden ships from the Greeks, the Chinese, and other historical wooden ships or records. Uh, and he helped shape the uh, the ark. According to Genesis, uh, the ark had to withstand very high winds. 
according to Genesis, the whole earth was covered with water and uh, with the extremely also high winds. Uh, some of the people think that the earth was reshaped during that time period and, and following the flood for drying up of the water in the earth. And so the ark would have it didn't have any place to go other than just float, so it, it had to go into the wind, so it didn't roll like a log in water. It had to be at right angle to the waves, and so hence the shape and the keels, the bottom of the ark, and the and the large wood sail at the bow of the ark. So that was the basic form and the program design requirements. The Bible refers to the ark having three decks, deck one, deck two, and deck three, and then also the roof of the ark and with some windows on at the very top. So it also refers to having Noah's door. And it said as the, anim- as the family went in and animals came two by two of a kind in each kind, that our client identified the kind of animal would be like a dog or a wolf, that would be a kind. So that was the, the, according to the Genesis, the animals came to the ark. And after they were in and Noah's family was in with his three sons and their spouses, that uh, God shut the door. So uh, there's there's no doors other than Noah's door. However, in the ark, to enter the ark and for the guests, we brought the guests through a ramp area because of the large crowds of people to come and see this structure. And that is at the uh, at the backside of the ark. We set the ark on a concrete platform to get it off the ground because the wood doesn't go very well with moisture in contact with the earth. So we set it up on a 15 foot high platform of concrete supported by 102 concrete piers. And hence it had a, a lot of wind pressure. We designed the arc for 120 mile an hour wind. It actually increased about 10 to 15% more because there'd be large numbers of people could be in the arc at one time along with the exhibits. With the three decks, the door is above the water line of the arc, the Noah's door. And, and the second deck, that's on the second deck, and that deck has a higher ceiling than deck one or, or deck three. We have ramps within the ark to move people through the ark. We have we built three towers of masonry towers that are uh, 74 feet high at the back side of the ark to anchor the ark to those masonry towers for the uh, lateral forces for wind pressure. And that was done through... Uh, tie and uh, the bond beams and and we use steel ties connected to the heavy timbers the largest heavy timbers in the ark are logs uh, there are two logs in the center at uh, 18 foot grids the grids are um, there are uh, 32 grids we call those bents within the ark that are like slices of bread they're 18 feet apart and in between there's also a six-foot grid of floor joists, and also in the exterior of the ark, it's almost like a whale uh, bones structure. If you people have seen whale whale bone structures, it's almost like that. And the sides, the main hole sides, were all glue lamb with a cavity wall, and we used. Uh, we were concerned about the longevity of the exterior of the ark, so we used wood, and that had to be fire rated and and treated as well. In the insulation. So we used to happen to use DuPont's Tyvek on the exterior of the ark, commercial Tyvek with a rain screen similar to a brick veneer building, a rain screen, then the wood cladding was on the exterior of that. And the wood cladding at the AIA convention about four years ago, I ran across the exhibitors, a vendor that had uh, some new wood uh, treatment of, of wood product. It's Riata pine, and that's a Koya wood. 
it, it grew. The wood was grown in New Zealand. The seedlings come from California, from your area. Uh, in California, they were sent to New Zealand in the 1860s, I understand. And it grows well in New Zealand. Then it was shipped to the Netherlands for treatment. It was uh, to get the like the sugars out of the wood. It's called acidiated wood. That technology was developed in uh, U.S. Forest Product Service in Madison, Wisconsin. So it's interesting how the technology, how that has been transferred. They were licensed in the Netherlands to treat it. Then it was shipped to North Kleina for milling. And it's warranted for 50 years. And it's particularly uh, good uh, for uh, like in the uh, near the ocean and longevity. And the key to longevity of wood, like if you go to wood structures or temples around the world in Europe and Asia, and uh, also um, particularly uh, in Northern Europe, there's a lot of bridges and uh, wood housing or buildings for it's referred to as timber buildings. They last for hundreds of years because they kept moisture out of the wood. And that's what we tried to do here with that rain screen. So there's a not only ventilation, a three-eighth inch ventilation behind the wood cladding, but it also allows for drainage. So we use uh, DuPont's uh, rain screen drainage uh, vertical. Those were every 16 inches. And so the structure that was a deep concern is about the longevity. How long can this last? And so that was for the exterior skin. Genesis refers to as either using cedar wood or gopher wood. And we went for a lot of wood. We <laughs> <laughs> So that was our gopher. So what are some of the things that you simply just could not in uh, today's safety and building standards do that might have also been specifically uh, written down as the way the ark was supposedly originally built? That's a very good uh, observation. According to Genesis, the wood was uh, pitch. The the thinking is that they would use pine uh, tar, pitch to seal the wood. It would have been the exterior hull of the ark may have been three to five feet thick, splined together with wood, and and that uh, pitch and uh, tar would not have, uh, number one, it would have uh, been not in the budget for that, and two, to meet the uh, the code requirements. Noah didn't have much of a budget, did he? <laughs> we don't know what kind of a budget <laughs> he had, or we don't know what kind of technology he had. Some uh, scholars uh, believe that since people lived such a long time before the flood of three, four, five, six hundred, seven hundred years, that they had um, about uh, 15 to 25 times more lifetime experience than we do today. Because today, in our, uh, we have to transfer knowledge about every 35 to 40 years. And so some scholars think that they may have been more advanced than we are today. But since supposedly everything was destroyed during the flood, we don't have any record of that. These are scholars in the Christian apologist tradition, similar to the client. Yes. And so that's just um, some information that was passed on to us. We know that in Genesis, it refers to having a metal or, or steel and iron and bronze before the flood. So we initially started with a lot of wooden pegs, two and a half inch wood pegs. But the forces from the wind pressures were so great that we had to, um, there wasn't much left in the wood. It was all almost all honeycomb. So we we ended up using uh, quite a few steel plates and steel connections and knife plates. And that was a major design criteria and a challenge for the uh, engineering 
it was was done by the, also the Torah group with our own in-house staff and to be able to oversee that. And since I've had considerable experience in wood, and so Jason Hickel was our structural engineer. Then Ron Troyer, we have a family business. He's, he's been a senior VP for the mechanical and, and also electrical. And we ran out of time because it was a very tight schedule. So we had a, a firm from Idaho help us, structural firm help us with the bow and the stern. And and that was, uh, since that came to a point, there was a lot of uh, compound curves in, in that uh, design. And the, the logs, we initially started with 65 foot tall logs, 36 inches in diameter at the base and a minimum of about 20 at the top. But then it, the timbers, when what we were showing in, in Georgia, with the standing trees, they actually didn't cut those trees they showed us. And when they sent some of the initial logs, they didn't meet the, the grading specifications. So we reverted to using dead standing Engelman spruce. And when we couldn't get enough of those fast enough out of southwest Colorado and, and south Utah, we reverted to using uh, also Douglas fir. Both of those woods, Douglas fir is very high fiber strength. And, you know, if you wood construction, uh, the fiber stress is, is most important. And then the grading of the wood is very vital. And we wanted to use as much dry timber as we could. So we, we have uh, 64 logs that are 50 foot long. And then we did an extension on the roof level on up for the atrium, which is now also a dining area on the front half of the arc. And so that we had a connection hinge point at, that, at the roof level point, which complicated the design somewhat. And those logs, the vertical logs are not straight. They're uh, angled a little bit, about uh, three degrees on an angle uh, vertically. So that complicated also then mortise and notching and the tenets. But we were able to achieve that through uh, the team. We had very, the first step was then also to build a, a team of talented and people that had the ability to actually build the various wood components. It's sort of like a Tinker Toy set. As a boy, I grew up with Tinker Toys and played with Tinker Toys. And, and to simplify it, that was sort of the, the concept that we, we used in order to build this. So when the timbers arrived on the site, there was the largest CNC machine in the country. It's in Colorado. It's a German machine. It can handle up to 24-inch square timbers. And so the columns, not the center columns, but the outer columns were ended up 20 by 20 at the lower level, the levels, the first two levels, and then the up, uh, third deck on up, those are 18. And the floor joists are 16 by 18 inches, and they're six feet on center. And that's throughout the entire arc. So they're, they're a huge joist. And clearly there's a real investment on behalf of the client, uh, Answers in Genesis, to make the arc construction, but the, not just the final product, but the actually way that it was built, indicative of kind of a proof of concept from the actual scripture text. But of course, at the same time, you can't possibly do all those things while also being designing today. But I'm wondering then, how were you first uh, approached by Answers in Genesis to do a project like this? And what kind of stipulations did they have around making sure that it was so-called like true to the concept that they were going for? Very good question on the uh... Again, with the client, uh, we respond to the to, to help achieve the client's uh, goals and objectives. And, uh, and our job was not to question what their faith or concept going into it. But we, we did uh, how this came about project. About in the late 80s, I was approached by a businessman from Pennsylvania. He was up in elderly in years, and he wanted to build a Noah's Ark at an interchange in Florida and use it for a restaurant and, uh, and lodging. And we did uh, did a few concepts, and uh, also, of course, it would have had to have windows in it for lodging, 
and it wouldn't have really looked like an ark. And we did not know the the real true shape of the ark. No one really knows, to my knowledge, really what it was, uh, what the shape was. So we had to rely on uh, people that have studied wooden ships historically. And so that was what was used for the form. We don't know exactly what the, how the ark was shaped or, or how it was built. But this is one idea in that it was possible to do it in wood. And I think that is maybe one of the uh, exhibits that the ark itself represents an exhibit that, it, yes, it, it, it was possible to build it out of wood. So once you had this agreement with the client and you were working on the project, what kind of conversations took place within the firm around handling such a notably ideological and controversial project? Well, I think it was all our professional people. There were probably 30 in our firm that touched the project uh, because we have a full service firm of uh, design, architecture, engineering, structural, and um, landscaping. This is the first phase of a master plan that was done as a biblical themed attraction for other attractions in the project. So this being basically the, the number one item. Later on, there would be the exodus out of Egypt, the Israelites, and then another major event in the Bible is the Tower of Babel. And then uh, then later on, uh, it would be the uh, Christian aspect. And we did do a project in uh, Jesus' hometown of Nazareth, Israel, a replica of a first century village. And that was done in 96 through 2000. It opened up, and it's interesting. It's it's only 500 meters from where Jesus grew up. And through that contact, we learned to know about Kerry Summers uh, came on board just when we needed his talents. He came out of Bass Pro Shops, uh, helped develop the Bass Pro Shops. Uh, and then he was president of Silver Dollar City out of Branson, Missouri. They have Dollywood and Stone Mountain. And he was sent over there by the people from uh, the owners from uh, Silver Dollar City to check this out because he heard, he heard about uh, they heard about the Nazareth project through Pat Boone and so he went over and they told him he had to come and see me which he did and we struck up a friendship and we developed a destination concepts and development to do various themed attractions whether it was religious or secular and so with his background and talent he called me and we then worked together in partnership to develop a master plan for the biblical themed attraction. Overall, that when that's all built out, it might be 10, 15 years. We don't know. Depends on the on the funding of it. Uh, that'll be well over two to three hundred million dollar project. It's on eight hundred acres of land that's available, but it's very hilly in the hills of Kentucky. And so right now we're using about one hundred eighty acres of the eight hundred acres of the land. It's not flat land. It's it's a very hilly and has ravines and very natural. And we did have to lower some of the hills 28 to 30 feet in order to get enough levels area for the parking lot for 4,000 vehicles and uh, also for the buildings that, that are built now and also in the future. So that's how this project primarily came about. And so our staff, as we worked on it, uh, uh, sure, there were some concerns about it, but uh, if we are committed to helping clients, whether it's in healthcare area or senior living facility or college university, to help them meet their objectives and goals. We have worked with many religious groups. We have designed uh, religious facilities over 400 since 1971. So we have a broad practice, uh, both in the U.S. and in, in uh, some overseas as well. So that's uh, that's our background. Uh, we, we have worked broad segment. We've done many uh, buildings for commercial buildings, uh, office buildings, banks, healthcare facilities. And so we have a very broad cross-section of uh, of background experience. I'm asking specifically about the conversations that took place internally because I've heard that 
Answers in Genesis requires its employees to sign a statement of belief in order to work on projects alongside it. And I'm not sure exactly what that statement would have required to agree with, but can you tell me who at Troyer Group would have been required to sign such an agreement and what the specifications of that might have been? No, we were not asked to sign any any such documents. We were not in employees. We were commissioned as a professional firm to design and build the facilities. So we were not em- employees of Answers in Genesis. So then in that case, how would you compare your work for other religious institutions, such as a church, so to speak? Let's just say, how would you compare your work for a Christian church, building a church, to building a what is effectively a theme park, but with very clear religious institutional baggings. As a professional firm, we are committed to helping our clients meet their goals and objectives and their their missions. We ask them for their uh, mission statement of what they want to accomplish, and we help them achieve that. That's our role. Our role is not to dictate to them or force or bring our own. We, We want the project to be their project, not ours. And so we see ourselves as facilitators for the design and help our clients meet their objectives and goals. So we don't enter in on the theology or the uh, their faith or beliefs. We try to understand it so we can do the job that's needed. Not all that dissimilar when you go to a, to a medical doctor for, for treatment. Uh, I don't know. Um, if, I think the medical doctors, they're bound in duty to treat patients for whatever their faith or background is. One one area I might share is to build this ark. We had a very short window to build it. We set the first heavy timbers uh, June 15, a year ago in 2015, and they opened up in July 7, 2016. So it was a very tight schedule. Not only to, to uh, we, of course, we had to acquire the material and do the plannings design before that, that that took uh, spent a good two years on that. But to get to that point, to have the right crews uh, and the talent to build it, we also worked at team building with the various contractors, including the Amish community. We had about 15 different communities, and they were from uh, at least six to seven states, states in from Pennsylvania, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Kentucky, Wisconsin, Tennessee, Georgia, to come and help build it. And to get the these people to work together, and there was a common vision and a common mission, and that was to build a wood structure of, of Noah's Ark. And so that was a goal, and the people worked together in, in unity and harmony, and there were very little issues amongst the workers, which was a joy to work with. So I'd also like to ask about the exhibitions inside of the Ark. Was Troyer Group involved in the design of those exhibitions, and can you tell us a little bit about them? No, uh, the exhibitions were done by Answers in Genesis staff. We did not do the exhibits in the ark. Patrick Marsh, who headed that up, he was also the designer for, for Universal Studios in Florida and Japan. He did the exhibits for that. So it's really world-class uh, exhibits. And there's 132 exhibits in the ark, and they are sandwiched uh, in with the um, 18-foot module around the ark. And the Troyer Group did do all of the site planning, the engineering for the site. There was a huge amount of work on the site to develop a hilly site and get a level site. So a bridge was built to go across to a deep ravine. There was infrastructure of sewer water, main, main elect, major transmission electric lines had to be uh, rerouted and, and rebuilt. There's a parking for 4,000 vehicles. And the ark itself is designed to have enough exits for 10,000 people, can be in the ark at one time. Since it's so large, 
it, it can very easily accommodate that number of people, but we had to have exits uh, for that. And that's why the large masonry towers, which if they're all three were connected together, be equivalent to an eight-story uh, hotel that would accommodate 200 uh, uh, rooms. So, And that has the stairways and the elevators and the restrooms in it and the services. Uh, and the we, we were able to hide all the mechanical and electrical on the backside of the arc, which is often referred to as the um, back of the house. So we didn't clear this at the beginning of the interview, but if you're comfortable answering the question, did working on this project have any influence on your own personal religious beliefs? Well, I think it probably helped me uh, read more of the Bible. I read uh, Genesis a number of times and other parts of the Bible. I I like to do that on a daily basis in any case. But uh, each person, uh, which I like in in our country, we have freedom of religion. At least we think we do most of the time. And I, I would respect uh, anyone's own, their own faith and their own, uh, their own religious beliefs. And uh, I'm not the one to determine that. I think that's between them and, and God and, and their, their own faith, whether they have one or don't have one. That's, uh, yeah. So I think it was a joy and, and enriched my life. So I grew up in the 90s and I watched a lot as a kid, Bill Nye the Science Guy. It was a very popular children's um, science show. And now Bill Nye is the show no longer is on air, but um, he's known as a very prominent um, advocate of science education for children and also has engaged with the leader of Answers in Genesis on multiple occasions doing debates around creationism. And he recently was one of the first visitors to the Ark Encounter site to tour the facilities and see what the uh, theme park was like. And he had this opinion that, and shared this with Answers in Genesis founder, that Yes, this is in some ways plays into the freedom of religious expression, but at the same time, he was concerned that because the Ark Encounter is in a way targeting children and trying to pass on this idea that is in direct conflict with certain scientific beliefs, that he felt that it was in that way not a fair exploration of religious freedoms because it was trying to affect children this way. Could you respond to that viewpoint? Well, I certainly I respect Bill Nye for his, for his uh, views and, and uh, beliefs, and uh, and uh, that's uh, that's his prerogative to uh, to speak about that as well as uh, probably Bill Ham's uh, prerogative also to to share his faith and his beliefs. So I don't have any argument with either one of them. It's really really up to them. So uh, Ken Ham is the founder of Answers in Genesis. And he's, uh, and I think uh, to be uh, to live in our country we live in, each each one's uh, we should be respectful of each other, and uh, that's one of the things I've worked at in my whole life. Uh, even when I was a student, when I graduated from University of Notre Dame, I was interested in uh, helping build peace in the world. The Vietnam War was on, and I organized an international youth conference as a precursor of the UN. From 68 to 71, it was it was held, and we held it. There were 75 countries represented, and so um, that was, um, I think, maybe an indication of my own background that uh, that uh, I think we, we need to work at living at peace and be able to be respectful of each other without uh, any kind of uh, uh, criticism or, uh, you know, that's one of the difficulties I see in our country today. There's so much criticism and and disrespect for each other that uh, I don't get a whole lot of joy of, of people taking negative comments about one another. Just like our current election is sort of a sad omen when we, when we degrade each other. I and mean, I don't think that's appropriate to do that. So what do you feel is the architect's role in all of this? And, and what kind of responsibility do architects have to speak up about concepts like these? Well, I think the architects, uh, we as architects, we're, we're trained to help build the uh, and design and build a build environment. 
and and that's our job and to help our, help our society and our, our society uh, be able to have uh, equality environments and uh, whether it's a faith or no faith let's let's uh, work at uh, building together we together it's uh, and it's so uh, if we don't respect one another how can we possibly function in a in a secure and safe world by the way one of the one of the key visitors to the site several weeks before the ark was finished i have a good friend that came and visited the site and he didn't necessarily believe all the same things either with Ken and I, but he saw the quality of the craftsmanship and, and the what went into it. And, and that was President, former President Jimmy and Rosen Carter. And they're, they're friends of mine, and I invited them to come, and they came to see it. And uh, they were awed by what they saw as, uh, as the ark was maybe a, uh, what could have been possible. And uh, so, um, you know, he said he doesn't really see any any conflict between the, the two the two views. And so that that was not the purpose of the ark is to is to be able to, uh, from my standpoint, to be able to look at uh, build uh, at uh, destroying uh, either the faith community or to force any uh, faith on anyone else. Well, Leroy Troyer, thank you so much for joining us on One to One and speaking about the Ark Encounter Project. I really appreciate it. Well, you're welcome, and uh, I trust that this might be of inspiration for architects to look at how we can serve our clients to meet their our clients' needs and desires. Thank you so much for your time and thoughts. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to Arkinex Sessions one-to-one with Leroy Troyer. Danilo Voinov edits our podcast and Matt Skillings composed the music. Myself and Paul Petrunia are the producers of One to One. New episodes come out every Monday. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play Music. And if you like the podcast, consider leaving us a review. It helps a lot. We are at Arc Sessions on Twitter, and you can email us at connect at arconnect.com. Thanks again for listening to One to One.